Hello and welcome to another season of Marketing Connected, where we discuss pertinent topics with leaders in the marketing and advertising industry. I am your host, Janice Tan. Today's episode features a fireside chat hosted by Marketing Interactive's regional editor, Rizwana Manjor, during PR Asia 2020. She is joined by CNBC's senior correspondent, Sri Jagaraja, and Money FM host, Timothy Goh. Both Sri and Timothy go on the record about what makes news, news, and how PR professionals can make their stories stand out and strengthen their relationships with the media. Morning, guys. Thank you so much for joining us early in the morning. As you would know, building a relationship with journalists is a vital aspect for many PR and comms professionals, and getting visibility for their brands is paramount. But of course, when things go south, we also want to keep the brands off the headlines. So with that in mind, my first question to you is, is there such a thing as off the record? (laughs) I'll throw that over to you, Tim. What do you think? Well, okay. Uh, off the record, what does that exactly mean? You know what? For me, it's um, there is no such thing as off the record. Whatever you tell us off the record may not be part of the broadcast, may not be part of the story, but it provides context to what we're talking about. I think we might not directly quote whatever was off the record because that's a what we used to say back in the day, gentleman's agreement uh, or a human-to-human agreement. We might not quote you on that one. We might not even say a source close to the the person said this, but it provides a context so we can build a better story, a better understanding of what's happening. And then we'll tiptoe around your off-the-record comment and try to uh, give the best information that we have that is available at that time. So meander around it to kind of build on the story, so to say. Sri, any thoughts on this? I think Tim nailed it. And I think it it, having an on off the record conversation, the starting point really is the strength of the relationship that you have Mm. with whosoever is the source of that information. And in my experience, the best insights and the best beginnings of a scoop of a story have been conversations I've had off air in the green room out of the studio in between commercial breaks when I've asked Mm -hmm. strategists analysts look what is really going on with this story yeah and depending on the strength of that relationship you can use that information obviously not quoting them, but building up a picture, building up a tapestry Hmm. of information and insights that you're getting from others in the industry. And it may mean having a coffee with someone and saying, look, I've been hearing, and it may be just speculation, but let me just bounce this off you. What are you hearing about it? And you form a picture. And this really is the basic building blocks of research, and investigation and inquiry. Hmm. And the fundamentals of journalism have not really changed uh, for many years. That's how I would approach an off the record conversation. And there has to be a very strong degree of mutual trust with whoever is imparting that information. And you build up a picture over time. And then you can go to someone who is an authority, 
to say, look, uh, let's all put this together. Let's wrap it up. What is the bigger picture here? And after maybe five, six, seven conversations to really stress test the strength of the story, mm. and maybe you're just ending up barking up the wrong tree with, uh, with, with some uh, avenues of inquiry, then mm. you have a story at the end of the week, or it could be a month. And it really depends on what you are trying to stand up. And of course, the more controversial it is, the, the longer uh, you have to really uh, put in the due diligence. Yeah. So it's a, it's a process. And I think having an off the record conversation really does depend and rises and falls on the strength of that relationship that you have or relationships of your network. So it all adds up to that big, uh, big boom at the end of it all. I know, Sri, you just mentioned that the fundamentals of journalism hasn't really evolved, but how has reporting evolved for you? I think, Rez, that the fundamental principles of journalism have not changed. And I think being doing the due diligence, doing your homework, doing the research and doubting everything until you are as close to finding the substance of a story and the truth and the veracity and the accuracy of the story as possible. That's when you put it out. I don't think that those elements of rigor and the discipline has, has changed. It's probably become even more paramount to stress test the accuracy in an era of fake news, in an era of half-truths that are just amplified in this echo chamber that is social media and, and the internet. So the fundamentals of journalism, getting the official comment, the official view of the story, not going with speculation, not going with hearsay, but going straight to, uh, to the official source. Hmm. If it is a company, if it is the government, whoever, whoever it may be, I don't think that those principles have really changed. And I think, um, I think correspondents and I think PR professionals uh, should, always, uh, should always remember remember that those principles of uh, diligence, research, discipline and rigor are constants in the industry. Fair enough. What's the best way to convince you to drop a story? Tell us not <laughs> to do it. Tell us, um, don't tell us to drop the story because if you do tell us to drop the story then obviously there is no smoke without fire so uh, we're going to keep sniffing around. I mean, typically when we have CEO interviews, which we do a lot on CNBC, and then the company is suddenly thrust into the news because of some scandal, because of some whatever it could be, uh, something is breaking that affects, that affects them or affects their sector, then a good PR professional would say to that CEO or C-suite executive, look, there is a very real possibility that uh, these anchors, these reporters are going to be in a scrum asking you, this is really the first question. And you cannot ignore that. That organization uh, and whoever is uh, facing, whoever is representing that organization, whether it's a CEO or a CFO or whoever it may be, uh, that there's no easy way out of it. Um, if there is an issue when it comes to the stock market, when it comes to confidentiality, then, then say so. Uh, I, I think evading, evading the question is unprofessional and uh, it doesn't really help uh, anyone's cause and it doesn't really help anyone, uh, not least of all the company, from a, from a public perceptions point of view. Yeah, fair enough. Tim, any thoughts to add on this? 
Can yeah, you I was just going to bring up the example of, um, remember the ambush interview of the Thai king very recently? Um, and I thought he handled it well, because there's nothing more that brings sparks joy to us when we're out there trying to get a story than to ambush a newsmaker with our <laughs> microphone and asking a question that we, you know, might get a good answer from. And I think the way the king handled that situation he didn't say anything and yet he said something and he actually turned, used the same words as that reporter mm. and turned it into a response. He said something about Thailand is a land of compromise or something like that. He just really took the words of that reporter and turned it into a statement. Mm. And that was brilliant. And to think that we've never heard from the king in such a candid way before. Um, so you need to always be ready for an answer without incriminating yourself. I guess that's, that's what it is because we need to do our job and ask a question when we have the opportunity to do so. Yeah. And it could be somebody walking out of the boardroom and with our microphones there, that, that, that's what we do. So whoever it is that, uh, is on the spot should know how to answer properly. I, yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's true. And, and Thailand is a good example, Rez. And I, I think what we are struggling in, uh, struggling with as as uh, media practitioners and as journalists in, in Asia is, is this perception of a culture of deference still within Asia that government and CEO suite are up there or almost like Olympian demigods and uh, they will talk to us mm. when the time is right at press conferences yeah. and uh, at earning season and on conference call. Yeah. Uh, however, when you look at North America, you look at Europe, um, even Japan to an extent, there is a culture of the media scrum and that is fair, that is fair game. But there's a sense that it's, it's too orchestrated and mm. the culture needs to be a bit more spontaneous. I want to switch gears a little bit because I see a lot of questions coming in from our audience. Um, so before I get into that, I want to ask you um, something that we've noticed this year is that when, when stories were being pitched to journalists, um, it was more or less everyone was kind of riding on the same trend. So first it was about COVID and how, you know, work, uh, workspaces had evolved. Um, and then it became about mental health and then so on and so forth. So it felt like a lot of the pitches that were coming through, at least in our newsroom, felt like more of the same. So in, in such instances, how can PR, professional, PR professionals craft their stories so that you would pay attention to that? By trying to find something that hasn't been told before. And one story I think that we've been trying to get somebody to speak about, at least as a, on a personal level, because I, you know, we were getting so much of work from home and the stress that came with it and all these things. But um, we needed something that was not being told. What about those people who are actually not stressed about working from home, for example, who are actually enjoying uh the flexibility of the time i mean i'm sure there's still a handful of people out there who actually enjoy doing things from home because they probably felt that they can do more yeah uh, so stories that are not there so i think what needs to be done is for everyone to for pr practitioners anyway right, to look at what is being told what's being over told uh and then 
flip it to the other side, think outside the box and try to put it back in again, and then pitch that to us. And I think to this day, we haven't been getting any pitches about that kind of narrative of a flexible lifestyle and people who enjoy it and things like that. Uh, the, the danger, I think, is that everyone gets into the bandwagon because this yeah. is a trend is a trending topic. And we're going to try and get our brand, our whoever we're representing into it yeah. and try to fit that brand into yeah. that particular narrative, which doesn't always work. But Tim, it's also hard to find those white spaces because there's so much content out there already. Um, what advice would you have for that? I feel for our PR friends because so much has been written about everywhere and we're getting bombarded with content. Um, how do you find that white space? It, it's difficult, and I think that's why we are working together. Uh, if we are looking for something in particular, we reach out to to PR people as well. I mean, to a wider audience, of course. Sometimes we get something back, we cast a wide net, and sometimes we don't get anything back. And uh, we are always struggling to find a new angle to take. Um, and 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 at the outset of this COVID nineteen outbreak, I was. Uh, still doing my radio show every day at noon, and I was really struggling to find something to talk about that is not repetitive, that is something that hasn't been talked about before, and it was difficult, and it wasn't until I personally traveled and came back and experienced stay-home notice the first week that I had something new to talk about uh, that nobody has talked about yet, so, you know, it's, it's, that's how it is. Yeah. And if we enough. are stuck in the studio in our world and you are stuck in your world, we're, we're, we're constantly seeing uh, the same things and we're not getting out there to really figure out what's happening. And media relations itself has evolved this year, right? I mean, I mean, we talk about social distancing, limited travel, Zoom coffees are not what lunches face-to-face -face or, or coffees face-to-face -face are. Um, so how can PR professionals build that same relationship with you if they haven't already um, given the restrictions that are in place? Sri, you want to take this? The restrictions are hard to get around and they, they limit face-to-face -face, uh, contact. Mm. But uh, it shouldn't stop anyone. It shouldn't stop anyone from, I mean, obviously without breaking the law and social distancing is important and wearing your mask is important still, although it looks as though we are starting to come to the end of, uh, of the pandemic with an effective vaccine on the horizon. But... Uh, you keep in touch. Uh, you keep in touch with your, uh, with your, with your uh, contacts in the PR industry um, through thick and thin, and uh, not just because, hey, I might get a story out of this, but because the it goes to the heart of the importance of the of your network and uh, your personal contacts. Hmm. Tim, also, I want to ask you, with the rise of a lot of the independent news outlets these days, um, do you feel that the bigger players are feeling the pressure because maybe the, the smaller players are a little bit more nimble, they can just get it out there, they don't have as, as much of a brand reputation at stake when, when publishing a story? Um, you've worked with the big guys in Singapore, so tell us what you think. <laughs> uh, well... I think for the big guys, we have to protect all the stakeholders around it, uh, around what we do and, uh, 
and the people who are around us. But for small players, don't count them out because they can have information that we don't have. Somebody can go to them with an information that may just be a murmur off the record, but they can pursue it because they have the time to do so. And they're sort of under the radar and they can get away with other with, with many things. And a lot of the times uh, when there's smoke, there's fire, right? It comes from them and then it trickles down to us. We started reporting things that have way back, like think about, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago when social media was just starting. And then we started reporting about what's trending on Twitter what's being reported on Facebook by so-and-so or what so-and-so has said on social media. And it starts that way. Uh, and, and now I think it's more of a level playing field for both the big guys and the small guys because the information is just out there. It's just up to how each person, each journalist uh, can find the right, uh, right story and write it up in such a way that it becomes credible and believable and you won't be dismissed as just being, you know, a small startup. Thank you for listening. This podcast was created as part of Marketing Interactive's PR Asia 2020 conference. This April, join us at Marketing Interactive's Content 360 virtual conference as we touch on three main verticals, content production, content distribution, and content monetization and B2B content marketing. Held from 6th to 8th April, you will hear from industry players such as Malaysia Airlines, Mami, Tupperware Brands, Banyan Tree, and Yum Brands, among others. For more information, visit www.marketing-interactive.com.